Here at Don't Judge Me, we know just how great lawyers really are. Lawyers work to make people's lives better and work hard at serving their clients. Luckily, there's one day a year dedicated to showing lawyers the love that they deserve. No lawyer jokes today, please. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Restrain yourself, Andy. Yeah, that's right. November 6th is Love Your Lawyer Day. And to celebrate, we're showing some love to another legal podcaster in a very special interview. And Andy might even make it through the whole episode without making fun of us. Right, Andy? Absolutely no promises, Joe. <laughs> well, I guess you got to keep us humble. Welcome to Fine Laws Don't Judge Me, the podcast about the law in real life. I'm Laura Temme, and I'm joined today by Allie Marshall. Good morning. <laughs> Andy Leonati. Hello. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and last but not least, Joe Fawbush. Hey, everybody. Hey. <laughs> That's the most animated hey, you've Joe. ever done. It took, him a lo- it, took him, it took him like two <laughs> seconds to load the chamber on that before. I did. I did. Did you notice that? I, I had to build up my enthusiasm until it could. It's, uh, you know, it's a weird day. As of right now, we're still waiting on election results. Uh, but more importantly, we are celebrating Love Your Lawyer Day and we've got some uh. fun things lined up for today's episode. I'm excited. You know, there's just there's too much hate for lawyers out there. And so I'm glad that we get a day for people to be nice to us. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that there's a holiday love your lawyer day and I, I want to know who came up with that idea because it's 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 a good one. I think uh, sometimes we don't appreciate the work that lawyers do and so this gives an opportunity to celebrate that. Um so yeah, I mean I when I was in practice no one ever <laughs> celebrated love your lawyer day with Aww. me but i did Aww. occasionally get some some kind tokens from clients one time i got a uh i had a client who was a french chef and he baked me the most delicious cake i've ever had in my life Ooh, that's awesome um, yeah that was great for love your lawyer day no it wasn't but it was a you know just a little gratitude after our case or his case wrapped up but i thought it was kind of interesting to think about um love your lawyer day in the context of the professional rules like can 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 we ever go too far <laughs> love your lawyer but not too much <laughs> right exactly um and so i thought it might be interesting to kind of go through i mean i think most lawyers know these rules but um that you actually there are model the aba model rules 1.8 c is you know you can't solicit any substantial gift from a client so mm-hmm. you can't make them give you a cake i guess <laughs> if you consider that substantial what about like a wink wink nudge nudge you know uh, well, well, lawyer day coming yeah. up make me a cake and we'll call it even <laughs> we'll call it even yeah. i suppose that could be a payment for services rendered but um you can't like force the client like atticus finch getting balance. paid in chickens <laughs> I would take a chicken. I mean, a live chicken or a dead chicken. I feel like we're getting farther away from it. Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> uh, my dad. Well, I grew up in a rural area, and it was pretty common to give like gifts of like meat mm-hmm. or animals yeah. to professionals. And yeah, so anyway, lawyers can can get a gift from a client. Generally, it has to be sort of like a a token of thanks, or um, you know, maybe a holiday gift. Um, but then, yeah, loving your lawyer too much. There, <laughs> there, there 
in 1.8, there's obviously the very, you know, well-known rule that you can't sleep with your clients Mm -hmm. unless you've already had that sort of uh, relationship before. (laughs) It was a very tactful way to say that. I'm proud of you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I was, it took me a little while. No new whoopee, just just old whoopee. (laughs) And also, interestingly, there was a, ABA um, opinion, that, formal opinion that came out this last summer um, as it relates to opposing counsel. So you also can't love other people's lawyers or maybe already have been in a relationship with other people's lawyers uh, raises the uh, potential for conflict of interest and also just like the potential for sharing confidences. So um, which yeah, I can see. Sense. You got to think about that. Just gonna, I'm going to guess that Bluff City Law broke all these rules after I stopped watching. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they all do. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was interesting. It does feel very appropriate that on a show with three lawyers, we started with the caveats. Like we said, we're going to talk about <laughs> yes, love your lawyer right, day, but right. here's the rules. Like we went, but. Stra- <laughs> we went straight into the not fun part. And that seems of very appropriate for us. Artificial intelligence continues to reshape America's legal system. One sophisticated AI tool is QuickCheck Judicial, which analyzes multiple filings from a single matter, showing judges what cases you and your opponent did or did not cite. This gives judges greater insight into both sides' arguments. But what if you could gain that same insight using the same tool your judge has? Well, now you can. QuickCheck Judicial is coming later this summer. Be the first to see it. Visit tr.com forward slash quick hyphen check. A former Alameda County Deputy District Attorney, Lewis Goodman is also an experienced criminal defense lawyer. We particularly wanted to talk to him now because he is the host of the Love Thy Lawyer podcast, where he interviews practicing attorneys, judicial candidates, and other legal professionals about how they became lawyers, their current focus, and interests they have outside of the law. In honor of Love Your Lawyer Day, and in celebration of lawyers everywhere, we're excited to talk to Lewis about practicing law, what makes for a good lawyer, and just generally what makes lawyers tick. Lewis, thank you for being on the show. Well, I'm really honored to be here. It's a pleasure to talk to you guys. Yeah, we're really excited about this uh, conversation. Lewis, I was wondering if you could just start off by telling us a little bit about your practice and your background. Well, I grew up in New Jersey. I went to a very good public high school there and then on to the University of Rochester in upstate New York. Uh, I took a year off working uh, as a road manager for a, a band. Which band? It's a guy <laughs> named Michael Urbaniak. He's a jazz violinist. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and he uh, he got his his start because Miles Davis found him in Poland. And then he came over here and did some touring over here. He's one of Clive Davis's first uh, discoveries. And, and when Clive first started Arista Records after leaving CBS. So that was an interesting experience. A lot of hard work. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
Uh, and then I went to Hastings uh, College of Law, which is part of the University of California in San Francisco. And from there, I got a job as a deputy district attorney in the Alameda County DA's office, uh, which was a very good job. And I really enjoyed being there. Uh, but after a while, I just decided I had some other things I wanted to do and needed to do and moved to Hawaii for a while, lived in Maui, took the Hawaii bar, uh, but ultimately uh, was offered a job doing criminal defense back here in Alameda County. And I took that job, worked there for a couple of years, and I've been on my own ever since. How much do you miss being a lawyer in Hawaii? Uh, honestly, not very much. Um, Oh. I, 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 I'm a pretty good windsurfer and kiteboarder, and I went over there uh, primarily for that purpose. And I, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just being straight about it. I mean, I really, <laughs> uh, I, I really love the water sports, um, and uh, I, I still do. As a matter of fact, I just learned to wakeboard two days ago, uh, and uh, but uh, I, I really. Uh, much preferred the uh, the practice of law here in California. And when I was offered an opportunity to come back, I really jumped at it. Well, let's talk about the podcast a little bit. Can you fill us in on maybe how you got started with your podcast and what you focus on? I started because in March of this year, uh, as you know, we sort of had this little pandemic hit <laughs> and literally my phone stopped ringing. I mean, the phone in my office stopped ringing, period. Wow. And that's since, it's since picked up. But at that time, I was just sitting here and thinking, I, I have to do something. And I said to my secretary, I said, we've got to learn something. We've got to learn something new. And I've always been a big fan of podcasts. I love listening to them. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, just going to learn how to make a podcast. And I did that, and I really enjoyed doing it. I found it a fascinating experience. I've learned so much. It's been a great learning experience, uh, and it gave me a chance to, to talk to my friends. And now you've got the equipment, even. I even yeah. have the equipment, yeah. <laughs> You're a real pro. So, Lewis, uh, you like talking about your colleagues and talking to them and everything, but what do you like about being a lawyer? Yeah. First of all, I just wanted you to know it's like really strange being on this side of the <laughs> microphone. You know? uh, well, I, I think the best thing about being a lawyer is is dealing with people and knowing that every day uh, some new challenge is going to present itself and some new story is going to present itself. There's always something new practicing law. Obviously, you, you talk with a lot of colleagues. You've been practicing for a substantial amount of time. Um, do you find that you notice similarities or characteristics that people have who are who become successful lawyers or who are successful lawyers? Well, first of all, I think that almost everybody that I've talked to thinks that they were a born lawyer. They weren't made. And what I mean by that is I'll say to people – well, when did you first start thinking about being a lawyer? And the answers I get are, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer when I was in the third grade. Uh, my mother always accused me of acting like a lawyer. Uh, I, I joined debate team in junior high, and from then on, I knew that I wanted to be in court. Uh, 
or always, I just kind of always knew, I just sort of always knew I was a lawyer. Uh, so I, I think that, that that's one of the characteristics of the people who, who I've talked to. I think it really is kind of a calling. And I think if you don't have that sense of it, I think if you just go to law school because you think, well, you know, my mom wants me to make money or something that, that it's just not going to work. Yeah. I think that that's really interesting. And, and it's good to hear you say that, that you still think that lawyers view their profession as a calling. Um, I agree. I think, I think the best and the most successful lawyers often just feel like they're right where they belong and have a passion for it. I'm wondering what are some other characteristics that make for a good lawyer? You know, you, you maybe you have that passion, maybe you want to pursue it, maybe you've always wanted to be a lawyer. How how do you turn that into becoming not just a a successful lawyer but a, a really good lawyer? I think the most important thing is listening skills. Uh, you know, I think you have to really listen to people. Now, we want to listen to our clients. We want to listen to our opposing counsel. We want to listen to the judges. We want to listen to witnesses. And I think that if you really listen to people, you find out a lot. And one of my favorite questions is, what do you want? And I think so many people are not used to hearing that question. And it's amazing how many times you can deliver what somebody wants to them, whether it's a client or whether it's a deputy district attorney or whether it's a judge. And you just say, what do you want? And then you can kind of, as an attorney, you can kind of figure out how to get there, how to negotiate it, how to resolve it, how to figure out how to get everybody to get to, you know, the sort of trite, but the win-win uh, result. And I think you get there by listening. Nice. Now, this is a question that's very near and dear to my heart as the non, as the, as the non-lawyer of the group. And because I want to feel vindicated about certain people, uh, what, what, what makes for a bad lawyer? Devastating thing to a lawyer is dishonesty. Uh, you know, lawyers sort of are, you know, proverbially uh, a little dishonest, but I, I, I have, I have not found that to be the case. And the reason I found it not to be the case is certainly in the Alameda County criminal justice system where I spent my career. It's a relatively small community. People know each other. If someone takes it upon themselves to be not trustworthy, very quickly that reputation precedes you. And the judges know you're not trustworthy, the other attorneys know you're not trustworthy, the DAs know you're not trustworthy. Turn it around, be straight up, be truthful, uh, and it makes life so much easier. I tell clients all the time, you know, I say, I'll tell you the truth, you may not like it, but I'll tell you the truth. And I'm truthful with my clients, I'm truthful with the DAs, with the judges, I'm truthful with my wife. And ultimately, ultimately, it's just easier for Lewis to be truthful. <laughs> <laughs>
sometimes people don't fully appreciate how lawyers help society, that it is a calling um, and that they do want to do good. And particularly in an area like criminal defense, do you ever have to counter stereotypical ideas of what a criminal defense lawyer does or or at least what people think that they do? Um, and how do you respond to people who, who might uh, dismiss the importance of having a criminal defense attorney or the role that a criminal defense attorney can play? I think that most people really understand that if someone is accused of a crime, they're entitled to a lawyer. It's, it's something that is so basic to uh, the American concept of you know fair play, justice. It's built in. It's baked into the notions of what it means to be an American. I think sometimes people occasionally have this sort of, how, how can you represent that person? Especially if it's a, uh, a really, you know, like a nasty case, a sex case, a case involving children. Uh, and admittedly, I don't think any of us really enjoy dealing with, with those kinds of cases. But I don't think that anybody thinks that that person shouldn't have some legal representation. And ultimately, what we're doing is we are defending constitutional concepts. Mm-hmm. And we use the defense of those constitutional concepts in order to effectively represent our clients. Somebody was asking me recently about the George Floyd case. And mm-hmm. I said, well, you know, that was, it was a terrible thing. And we all saw on this dreadful video what happened to him and the police officer who was acting under some color of authority. Uh, and then I said, but you know, that police officer is now a criminal defendant. And that police officer now is entitled to all of the due process and the presumptions of innocence that any other criminal defendant is entitled to. And I think sometimes people think about that and they go, oh, you know, you're right. And then I think most people also either have had on some low level or know somebody who has had some kind of a brush with the criminal justice system and recognize that a lawyer helped that person through it. And if I would, I could add just one other thing, which is that so much of criminal defense is a matter of negotiation as opposed to a matter of litigation. I think that's true in most areas of law. Like, Ali, I know that you were a family law attorney. To the extent that we can negotiate things, to the extent that we can get to some agreement, even if it's not a perfect agreement, even if it doesn't satisfy every single need of our client or of the opposing party, and by definition, it probably won't. But when we can get to some kind of negotiated agreement, some kind of a plea bargain, if you will, oftentimes that's really what we're doing rather than uh, using every tool in the evidence code to help our clients. Yeah, thank you for that, Lewis. That, I, and I've, I've heard that from a lot of criminal defense attorneys about defending the Constitution, which is a very necessary thing to do and a necessary thing for society. Um, so I really appreciated that that explanation. 
you know, we were getting kind of serious there um, and, and talking about some of the issues with George Floyd and everything. Um, you know, I'm wondering, you deal with, and, and you also mentioned about some of the cases that you have to take that maybe aren't so pleasant to deal with. Um, you know, attorneys and, and criminal defense attorneys in particular have to deal with a lot on their day to day. Now, in your podcast, you talk a lot to your colleagues about kind of what their interests are, both inside the law and outside of the law. And I'm wondering, do you think that having interests outside of the law, something to, uh, you know, maybe take their mind away from from the, the day to day work that they're doing, does that help them become better lawyers? Um, you know, is, is, is that wellness essential to the practice of law? I think that wellness is essential to life. Mm-hmm. And I, I am someone who is very conscious of my health being the most valuable thing that I have. I'd rather be healthy and broke than have several billion dollars and be sick. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you just, you, you can't enjoy anything if you're not feeling well. So I think that those recreational opportunities and doing things outside of being a lawyer are really critical. Now here in California, there's almost always an opportunity to get outside. And I think getting outside is something that I certainly appreciate, that I certainly enjoy, that I do in my recreational and my sports activities. And it's interesting that in speaking to the attorneys who I interview, that getting outside notion comes up across the board as something that people like to do. And often they integrate it with their families, you know, taking their kids to the park, taking their kids to, uh, you know, soccer, taking their kids to other recreational or educational uh, activities, but things that are outside. Yeah, I would agree with that. The only trouble I have here is now here in Minnesota, it's getting dark at 5.30 p.m., so that makes things a little <laughs> more difficult. Yeah, it's already looking pretty sad outside my window right now. <laughs> but I, I do agree with that. I think, yeah, getting outside, even just moving around in, you know, in some sort of way that brings you joy is definitely very important. Um, I guess pivoting a little bit, you talked about how much things changed uh, when the pandemic hit. And I was wondering if in your conversations with other attorneys, um, you know, the pandemic has changed the way a lot of lawyers practice. Um, the amount of phone calls coming in has fluctuated a lot. And just the way that we handle processes that we take for granted, such as hearings and calls with clients, a lot of people are relying a lot more on technology than they used to. And I'm wondering if in your conversations with um, some of your guests, uh, does it seem to you that any of these changes are going to stick? Do you think we'll keep doing remote hearings? Will people keep having video calls with clients? What do you think about that? I hope so. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially as far as court is concerned. Uh, we've been doing uh, a lot of video conferencing here in Alameda County for virtually everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if you have a like a pretrial hearing where essentially it's a, it's a lawyer conversation, I'm talking to the DA, the judge may be involved, 
that's a conversation that we can easily have through some sort of video conferencing. And we don't need to all drive down to the courthouse and find a place to park and go in and, you know, go through the whole uh, time consuming court appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather, we can we can do it from the convenience of our office, having a conversation similar to the one we're having now. Uh, I do think that for certain kinds of uh, hearings in the criminal world, I think, for uh, example, if you're going to have a preliminary hearing or if you're going to have a jury trial or if you're going to have a litigated motion or if you're going to have a, a plea where the judge is going to go through the litany of rights and giving up those rights in order to enter a plea pursuant to a plea bargain. Those are things that I think are best done live and in court in front of the judge. Um, But certain kinds of cases, and we've all been there, we, you know, where you just know, uh, you've talked to your uh, opposing counsel and you've agreed, we're going to put this case over for a month because we need to get further discovery uh, or whatever reason. Uh, th- th- there's just no need to make a in-person court appearance. And I'm hoping that we can continue to use this technology going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the judges and the DAs like it, too. I want to ask you this since you're a criminal defense attorney. <laughs> oh, boy. Andy, do not ask about anything that you might have pending. <laughs> i'm reformed Um, it is i think it's pretty clear from the results of the election and everything that or the non-results or whatever um but that the moment that has arisen this summer stemming from george floyd uh is not gonna you know it's not going away anytime soon and i'm wondering as criminal justice reform concepts kind of will like are likely to stay in the news. What do you think is actually the the most important thing, a change in the law that would make a lot of people's lives better or easier, whether it's expunging convictions or ending the war on drugs or anything like that? Well, I certainly think that Expunging convictions in a way that really works would go a long way towards allowing people to get jobs once they're done with the criminal justice system. Now, in California, uh, you can get an expungement, but what that means is your record will show that there was an arrest, there was a conviction, there was a period of probation successfully served, and then you got your case dismissed. And all of that will show up on the record. It's not as though the record is sealed, it's not as Mm -hmm. though it's erased, it's not as though no one can ever see it again. Mm -hmm. But it seems to me that a more effective sealing process would allow people to go forward from the criminal justice system. But really, the the criminal justice system doesn't exist in a vacuum. The criminal justice system is a reflection of society and it's a construct of society. And the laws that we as attorneys deal with are essentially, uh, they're, they're political acts. Um, and and I, I'm not saying that, that that makes them wrong. It's just that they... Let me give you an example. Uh, I think everybody would agree that 
murder, arson, robbery, burglary. Every society has laws against these things and, and, and always has. But let's move over to the drug thing that you talked about. Now, right now, Oregon, in just a couple days ago, passed a law all of a sudden decriminalizing not only possession of personal amounts of marijuana, but personal amounts of heroin, cocaine, mm -hmm. LSD. Uh, I mean, th such a policy would have been just unheard of uh, 30 years ago. But that's a political act that is changing the law. And now an attorney who's practicing in Oregon has a, a different legal landscape in which to practice. So I think that really the, the law and lawyers and the court system is really a function of the society. And I think that, that society has really made a mistake over the past, you know, I mean, my 30 years being in the criminal justice system uh, in essentially dropping every single one of its problems at the courthouse door. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you, you, you cannot prosecute your way out of societal problems. Uh -huh. Amen. <laughs> um, I have a question. Um, it's a little lighter, but we talked about it in a segment before we had you on. Um, we were talking about Love Your Lawyer Day, and um, I spoke of a gift that I once received from a client. What is the have you ever received something really, truly uh memorable from a client or, or what was like the best way that a client has thanked you for your, your service? I've gotten a few really neat gifts from clients. I, I have one client, I, I wish I was sitting in the other office, um, where I could just show it to you. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a, it's a huge Chinese vase, uh, and it has a pedestal that it sits on. And the client brought it to me because, uh, she was so happy about, um, I, I guess I think it must have been her son who I it was had represented and she was very happy about the results that we got for her son. I think my secretary has been most happy with a client who would routinely bring us in Costco gift cards and, <laughs> oh, we'd, and we'd split idea. those <laughs> yeah. and I've and I've gotten some really nice uh, notes and cards from clients as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, and you, you, you don't really, my dad always used to say, if you expect someone to say, thank you, you're just setting yourself up for failure. But <laughs> if they do, uh, it's really kind of a neat thing. Well, Lewis, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your perspective. Um, you've got a, a really interesting show over there and we're really glad that you were able to join us today. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Fine Laws Don't Judge Me. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. And we hope you had a wonderful Love Your Lawyer Day. We're celebrating our favorite time of year by showing some love to another legal podcaster and uh, this exciting interview that's coming up. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and start <laughs> that one over again. <laughs>
That was great. Oh. All right. Oh, that was <laughs> terrible. Oh.